Hello and welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Katie. And I'm Audrey. And today we are going to be talking about everybody's furry, feathered... <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think about the other ones we're going to be talking about. Slimy. Slimy, scaly friends. <laughs> we're going to be talking about the pets in Harry Potter. A wide range of them. Yeah, for sure. Um, of course, there are some left out from this episode, but I think we hit on uh, most of the favorites. Did we? Are there any left out? I feel I mean, like there are I was just thinking, I guess, like, do we consider Nagini a pet? Like, No. She's no? her own okay. woman. She doesn't belong to no man. Um, and there's also, like, yeah. I think maybe we got everybody then. Uh, I left out Aragog, but I don't think he really counts as a pet. Like, he started as a pet, but, like, yeah. pretty self-sufficient. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I think we hit most of them. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the patron of the episode is Michael. Michael, thank you for your for your support. Yeah. Um, we really appreciate it. We appreciate it a whole lot. Um, we, ha- we do have one announcement this episode. So we have sat down, looked at our calendars, and figured out a date that we think will work best for the Deathly Hallows Part 2 watch along on Discord. So right now we are, I'm not going to, this date isn't in pen yet, but we are, it will definitely be the weekend of September 11th or the 12th. We're thinking the 12th as of right now. We'll keep you updated. And we're probably thinking a similar time to last time. I think it was like 3. Eastern time, time, yeah. I'm pretty sure. So probably around that like mid to late morning time again. And most... Morning. Mid to late afternoon, sorry. (laughs) Mid to late afternoon time. And most likely on Sunday, September 12th. So if you want to go ahead and put that in your calendars... Leading up to it, we'll again put the link to our Discord um, in Facebook groups yeah. so you can find it through there. And um, I'm excited. I, I yeah. had a really good time last time. We That episode is not coming out until much later in the month, so we're doing it quite a bit in advance. Like but two weeks later. Yeah. So, yeah, get ready for that. Um, and also... This is the last episode that's coming out before that date. So just like when you listen to this episode um, or coming up to that date, make sure that you're like part of our Facebook group and on our Instagram page and stuff. And we'll be like updating with actual times and everything. Yeah. And our Facebook group is Wizard Studies Podcast Group. Yes. There you go. Okay. So just before we get into talking about, I guess the way this episode is going to be, we're going to like talk a little bit more about kind of like some of the bigger, more prominent pets um, and then do some quick takes on some of the lesser known ones. Um, But before we get into any of that, I'm just going to talk a little bit just generally about pets at Hogwarts. So we are told in Harry's letter, his first school year, that pet you are allowed to bring either a cat, an owl, or a toad. Um, And Hagrid, of course, says... Uh, to Harry at Diagon Alley, tell you what, I'll get your animal. Not a toad. Toads went out of fashion years ago. You'd be laughed at. And I don't like cats. They make me sneeze. Same Hagrid. <laughs> I'll get your an owl. Um, so I think this is like, gets, gets you a little uh, description or, I don't know, the ins and outs of pets at Hogwarts. I guess maybe an owl is like the uh, the cool pet to have. Because then all your friends want to use your owl. And then toads apparently went out of fashion years ago. So I like that, like, Neville then has a toad. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like it fits. Um, and I guess and if you're not... Hey, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was, like, thinking, I was like, oh, were these chosen? Because they fit with the ideas we have of witches and wizards, you know, like cats. We always see cats with witches, owls, obviously kind of like a magical creature. And then like toads, I feel like are often like used in like witches brews and that kind of stuff. Um, So I looked 
I googled a little bit and found a Pottermore article, Pottermore's Guide to Wizarding World Pets. Of course, it's on wizardingworld.com now, but it was originally a Pottermore article. Um, and so they talk a little bit about, like, the, the main pets you can have and, like, why the, those animals were chosen. Um, so owls, it says, um, they have a long history with magic. It, of course, calls out to um, the Roman goddess of wisdom, Minerva, and her Greek counterpart, Athena, um, who, like, an owl is a very prominent symbol of Minerva and Athena. Um, they have a reputation for being wise, but there's also a lot of myths about them being bringers of death and dark prophecy. Um, owls are mostly nocturnal, so that's kind of like a superstitious, magical power of them, like, being around at night. Um, for some people, uh, some, like, cultures believe that witches were shapeshifters and could turn into other creatures at night. Um... So yeah, owls very much have that like mystical, mysterious connotation. Cats are probably the most commonly associated with magic. We all see like the black cat with the witch on the broomstick. Makes a ton of sense. The first woman to be accused of witchcraft in the Salem witch trials, Tituba, who was an enslaved woman, um, was said to have um, two cat familiars. Um and what else do we know about cats? Talks about some books used against her, um, which mentioned, like, are there were, like, historical books about witchcrafts that um, mentioned cats a lot. So they used that as, like, evidence that she was a, a witch. Um, and, of course, we see cats elsewhere in this series, obviously, um, with McGonagall, who's, like, one of our most prominent witches. Um, I guess, actually, kind of, like, two of the, like main like female characters we think about with Hermione and McGonagall both have like a cat to their and persona I'm not and Umbridge as well like, the most prominent yeah. female characters but she is a thing with cats yeah it's interesting I mean I guess we see Filch associated with Mrs. Norris but like yeah. the like cat the like association with cats is often with the female characters um which calls back to the witches um and then finally we have toads um and it mentions that Trevor's really the only proper toad we see at Hogwarts, but they do have an association with witchcraft as well, um, used in ingredients for the for um, in the folk cures pa- practiced in the Dark Ages, and they're also like kind of seen as familiars um, in history as well. Um, yeah. So, oh, and then it also mentions rats, but. They aren't as common as cats, owls, or even toads, but they do show up in history. Um, And they're associated with witch trials as well, I think. So, Hmm. yeah, those are like the four, I guess, main animals we see. And and, uh, they all like have this historical context. It's not super random. I mean, we see dogs in the series, but they're less like associated with the magical aspect. So... Um, it kind of makes sense because you never really hear about, like, witches and dogs. <laughs> um, and so we do see we the pets, different pets that we see at Hogwarts. Obviously, we see the cats, owls, and toads because um, those are what's said to be allowed. Um, but also, apparently, Hogwarts doesn't really care and you can bring any animal you want. Um <laughs> Ron, of course, we have a rat. Ron's rat scabbers. Um, Lee Jordan has a spider, a tarantula, I believe. Yeah. Um, and then we later see um, Ginny bring a pygmy puff. So it doesn't seem like it's that strict on, on what sort of animals you can bring. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if... I feel like there's always been discussions out there that's like, oh, a first years can only bring a cat, owl, or toad. But like Ron brings a rat his first year, but yeah. I wonder if that's just because like Scabbers has already like been to Hogwarts, <laughs> so it's like whatever at this point. He's you know? well behaved. How <laughs> grandfathered in. Um, and then like as you get older, you have more freedom, which is like weird to me. I feel like it's probably just like on a case by case basis. I guess. As long as it's, like, a small enough animal. Yeah, like, I don't think they would let you bring a dog. I don't think so either. Although in Hogwarts Mystery, you can have, like, all different different sorts of pets. Like, you can have yeah. crops, which are, like, the dogs with the, like, two tails and stuff. So, yeah. I don't I don't really understand. Should I dress Georgie up as a crop 
for Halloween? Just like yeah, just like give her a second tail. Yeah, because <laughs> it, it's like a terrier, right? Isn't yeah. it a terrier? Like they look. It's like, like a Jack Russell terrier, yeah, so it's yeah. a little I mean, different. She's not quite a Jack Russell, but. <sighs> okay, so jumping into our most prominent pet that we see throughout this series, obviously Hedwig. So Hedwig was bought for Harry by Hagrid, like Hermione, or like Hermione, I just called you Hermione. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like Audrey mentioned earlier, um, Hagrid bought him for Harry's 11th birthday. He got her at Ilop's Owl Emporium when they first went to Diagon Alley. Can I just say, people, is it like a common thing that people forget that Hedwig is a girl? I think I just referred to Hedwig with male pronouns in that sentence when I. No, no, you said he got her. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there were just like lots of pronouns, and I was like getting confused on who I was referring to. I don't know. I will say I have to admit I always misgender Crookshanks. (laughs) I (laughs) always think Crookshanks is a girl, and I think it's because like I feel like there's just this weird association with humans that like. Dogs are boys and cats are girls. Like, I don't know if that's just me, but like in my mind, that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, it's kind of true. Um, and like, plus Hermione has him, so I think that just like reinforces yeah. the like female gender on Crookshanks. And I, I'm sorry, Crookshanks. <laughs> I will try my best not to misgender you throughout this episode. I also think Crookshanks and Hedwig both are very like non-gender specific names. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. it's not like their name is like Betty, you know. Like I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. To me, Hedwig, I always think of as a girl, though. I think yeah. I think it's like people who like are less educated. Educated. The series. Yeah, I don't know because like Hedwig is. I feel like it's a boy's name. Like, isn't Beethoven's name Hedwig? Head, mm, isn't it no. spelled like that though? Well, Hed Hedwig is. A I know Scandinavian. She's named it's after. a Scandinavian yeah. name meaning female warrior. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I ha- I have that in my notes. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, because Harry gets her name from history of magic, but it's yeah. Anyways, Hedwig is a snowy owl. She's very pretty. And like I said, Harry found her name in History of Magic. He was like just flipping through his textbooks and like looking for a name. Beethoven's name is Ludwig. Oh, but there—I feel like there's there there is a there's a person named Hedwig. I'm convinced. The Swedish, the goalkeeper of the Swedish national team. Her name is Hedvig Lindahl. Yeah. With a V. <laughs> um. Okay. Something I found very interesting. Harry refers to Hedwig as his first ever birthday present because the Dursleys never got him anything. But throughout the series, we see the Dursleys send him stuff. Or no, I guess that's Christmas because he's at Hogwarts. Yeah. Do we see the Dursleys give him presents for his birthday though? Um, I don't think so. Maybe? Okay, maybe. I think Harry's always just like, it's my birthday, but no one knows I'm moody. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Okay, so why do they send him Christmas presents but not birthday presents? I don't know. That's so weird to me. Maybe they feel like they have to keep up appearances when he's, like, not in at home. And at home, they're like, he's home for his birthday. Like, people don't know that we're not giving him a present. Yeah, but they give him, like, a tissue. Like that's But also, maybe they, don't, maybe they don't know his birthday. <laughs> You know, like, they know Christmas, but I genuinely, like, they might not know his birthday. How does Harry know his birthday? He had to Okay, then they have to know. Okay, okay. Maybe they don't remember it, though. You know, it's easier to remember Christmas because they're buying all the presents for Dudley. Yeah. All right. Um, Okay, so the author got the name Hedwig from St. Hedwig, um, which she found in a book of medieval saints. Um, Hedwig, I think this is, I think, 
I have mixed feelings about Hedwig's importance to both Harry and the series because <laughs> I think sometimes she's like very undervalued by casual mm. fans. But sometimes for like hardcore fans, I feel like she's a little bit overvalued. Mm. You know, like I feel like she's symbolic. Yes, yeah, and I think a really big part of like what she represents and what she means to Harry is she is really the only companion that crosses with him from Muggle yeah. to Wizarding World, both like from the first time, like Harry enters Hogwarts with Hedwig as yeah. a piece of magic that he had in the Wizarding World, but also like back and forth every time. Like she comes with and him to Privet Drive. She's his one like magical quote unquote companion throughout those long summers. Yeah, and because she is an owl and not some sort of other pet, like she is also a bridge to the magical world when he is yeah. in the muggle world. That is very true. So I think yeah. it's very symbolic. I do think he, like, obviously loves her and everything. But I, I get your point that, like, maybe sometimes that is overstated. Yeah. Because I think when you, like, go back and read the series, like, there's a lot of times that she's just, like, not there. Like, she he really only seeks her out while at Hogwarts when he needs to send a letter. Like, yeah. very few other times as she mentioned yeah. um, throughout the series. But she is his only constant. Like I said, she's the one that goes with him crosses that threshold from the wizarding to the magical world. And then I really liked how you like phrased that Audrey, like she also serves as the bridge mm-hmm. of that gap between the magical and non-magical yeah. worlds for Harry. Um, I also really like how much of a personality she has throughout <laughs> the series. I love that. She's like very sassy. Like she nips at Harry's hand a lot of the times. She gets mad at him when she yeah. when he uses school owls. Yeah, there's like one time like when um oh my god. What is the Pigwidgeon. I could not think of the name. When Pigwidgeon drops something off for Harry and then Harry uses Hedwig, he like he mentions that Hedwig was like standing especially still and like mm-hmm. being especially good to like show off in front of Pigwidgeon. I just like I love how much like personality and character she has throughout the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really love those moments where Harry acknowledges how much she means to him. Mm-hmm. Like uh I just, like, I think that's so cute, and I love how much Harry loves her. Um, there, like, a notable moment with her, she was attacked by Umbridge, or by Umbridge, like, and co. Mm-hmm. In Order of the Phoenix. Um, she obviously, like, carries letters for him, like, too serious a lot of the times. Um, trying to think of other, like, Hedwig's highlights. She dies. And she dies. Um, She's murdered during the Battle of the Seven Potters when Harry is escaping Privet Drive. Which is like so poetic. It's like now he's fully entering the wizarding world. He doesn't like need her anymore. I mean, obviously he does need her, but like it's kind of like, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it's also talked a lot about as like Harry losing his innocence, right? The beginning of Seven. Like, yeah. Hedwig represents a different time in his life and he needs to kind of like leave that behind as he moves forward. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Lots of love for Hedwig. Yeah. Um, Okay, so the next one is a very, another very prominent bird in the series. Um, Fox. So, uh, I don't know, Fox is kind of like more of a, companion to Dumbledore than a pet like I don't really think of him as Dumbledore's pet um wait Fox is a he not a fox what is Fox's gender I think it's he I don't know I think it's he but then I was like I'm um yes so Fox um he was (laughs) uh Dumbledore's like pet but companion but like I don't know they were like friends they're like bros um (laughs) So he's named after. Didn't need a lot of taking care of from Dumbledore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, So Fox is named after Guy Fox by by the the author, but also presumably I think this is like maybe also where Dumbledore got the name. Um, 
So I had no idea who Guy Fawkes was because I'm, like, a dumb American. I guess this is, like, kind of a thing. It's, like, a British history thing. Yeah, remember, um, remember the 5th of November. That's what that's about? Yeah, the 5th of November is the night the plot happened. Oh. Okay, so Guy Fawkes was an English Catholic who was who com- conspired to kill um, King James, who was the Protestant King of England, in 1605 with the gunpowder plot. So their plot was to blow up the House of Lords when the king was in the House of Lords. Um, and then they were going to replace the king with um, a Catholic king. Um, you know, classic English history. Um, Catholics and Protestants, you know, going at war. Yeah. Um, so I think the plot, like, never came to fruition because um, they, the Catholics who were planning on doing this got, like, a little concerned about how, like, they would also be killing some Catholics who were in the House of Lords at the time. So they were like, we can't do that. Um, but it did kind of get, like, foiled, and Guy Fox was the one who, like, took the, f- the fall for it. Um, so he's like, it was multiple people planning it, but he was, like, the infamous one. Um, and obviously this is kind of a joke on the part of the author slash Dumbledore within the world um, because the gunpowder plot blowing up flames, Bye. Phoenix fire reborn that kind of stuff um so yeah i thought that was funny and i think i like heard the name guy fox before but i didn't really know well because isn't i think november 5th is also like guy fox night i think it's like a thing yes it's like a, they, they celebrate like, it yeah fireworks yeah and, they celebrate it with fireworks in, yeah. in the uk yeah i read a book called fox that was like a historical fiction like retelling of this that was really good i recommend mm. it I don't have it with me, and I don't know what the author's name was, but it was good. I enjoyed it. Interesting. Um, Also, fun fact about Fox is I want to use that as a middle name for my children, if and when I have children. Wow. I love that name. (laughs) I think it's so cool. It is a cool name. Um, So Fox the Phoenix, getting back to in in canon Fox, um, had to have been born before 1938 because Ollivander took feathers for... Voldemort's wand um and there's like somewhere cited where that was the year that he took the feathers but I'm not sure I feel like I don't know that might be wrong because I feel like Voldemort would have got his wand in 37 so had to have been born sometime in the 30s or before the late 30s um phoenixes as we know are technically like immortal obviously they die multiple times but they are immortal so we don't know really when like the phoenix was born um but then it gets born a lot of times so maybe phoenix is just like i don't know they just live forever and ever i don't know and obviously there's like all of that like crimes of grindelwald lore and speculation about fox being the phoenix in that one but i hope that's not the case so i'm just gonna ignore that um the couple times we see fox die um december 18th 1992 this is um during Chamber of Secrets in Dumbledore's office. It's the first time that Harry goes to Dumbledore's office and meets Fox, and Fox has uh, dies in front of him. <laughs> um, and also... Harry thinks that, like, he's going to get blamed for murdering Dumbledore. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we see Fox die June 18th, 1996, when Fox swallows a killing curse for Dumbledore that Voldemort casts in the duel between the two of them at the Ministry. So it's implied that, like, not only are phoenixes immortal, as in, like, old age will never kill them because they just, like, quote-unquote die and are reborn. Like, also they can, like, be killed. Like, Fox takes a killing curse and then is reborn. So, like, they really can't... They can't be killed. Like... Yeah. (laughs) They don't... Yeah. Um, How are phoenixes born? That's what I'm saying is, like, Like, that's what I was trying to say, like number of phoenixes out there and like they just keep multiplying or do we think there was like 10 phoenixes made and it's just the same 10 all throughout time i don't know i don't understand i don't know i also was reading stuff i just looked up like phoenix mythology people are saying that like there's like a debate whether a debate like i mean they're not real so like whatever but there's a debate whether like phoenixes actually like decompose and actually die or if Mm -hmm. they just kind of like 
I'm, I'm alive, you know, like fake die. And it's just part of your like yeah. life cycle. Like whether their like heart actually stops or not, or whether there's like, oh. no death in between, you know? Yeah. But they do like change form. Yes. And I was thinking like, I guess there's some evidence to prove me wrong, but do you think that there could also be a debate with phoenixes and whether it's like the same phoenix being reborn or if it's like a different phoenix every time? No, I think it's the same phoenix. I think that's the point. Yeah, but like how would you know? Well, I mean like Fox has like memory within across lives. I guess. Like Fox does not reform his relationship with Dumbledore every time he dies. But it's a baby. I feel like a baby will become attached to whatever's around it anyways. Yeah, but I also think, like, Fox clearly, like, remembers Harry time to time, you know? Yeah, true, true. Um, So it's also unknown how long Fox and Dumbledore were together. Um, I would guess that he was in Dumbledore's position by the time of him giving the feathers for the wand cores. Um, Just because it seems like, like, how would, I don't know, like... How would Ollivander have known that Dumbledore ended up with that phoenix? You know, if it was just, like, a wild phoenix that then, like, came into Dumbledore's possession. Um, So I think that, like, maybe Dumbledore had Fox and, like, offered the feathers to Ollivander. Um, And we know that rarely do phoenixes give more than one feather for wand cores. But this particular phoenix gave two, which makes me think that, like, it's because Dumbledore was there. There has to be quite a few phoenixes out and about. That's true. Right? Because I think Unless that's a thing, right? Like that they usually only give lifetime. one. Oh. Like it I was within the same things. lifetime. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know. That's just me assuming things. But I don't like, know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, but if we assume that, like, at the minimum, um... Dumbledore acquired Fox, like, sometime in the 1930s. They had, like, 60 years together, which is, like, more than half of Dumbledore's life. Um, about half of Dumbledore's life. So, it's a long companionship. Yeah. Dumbledore's oldest and fastest and best friend. Um, Dumbledore's only friend? Question mark? <laughs> so, Fox was obviously very useful throughout the series. Um, we see him bring Harry the hat and the sword in the um, chamber because he Harry expressed loyalty to Dumbledore, which just shows, like, how loyal Fox is to Dumbledore. You know, like, that's, like, a real bond, which makes me, like, not really think of Fox as a pet, you know? Like, yeah. it, it's just, like, it's like a friendship. Like, it's such a close bond between the two of them. Um and multiple times, including that time in the chamber, and I think also after the Triwizard Tournament, maybe, um, Fox cries tears to, like, he- heal Harry's wounds multiple times. So that's another, like, magical power of phoenixes is um, that their tears are have healing purposes. Um, Dumbledore used him to communicate, so we see this um, in Order of the Phoenix when Arthur Weasley is attacked. He uses Fox kind of... Um, I don't know who, how does he send, cause he sends Phineas Nigel's black to alert people at the, at the hospital, hospital. No, I uh, know at, at the, Grinnell at the Grinnell place. place. I think he sends Fox too. for the hospital or something. No, there's like a, there's a headmaster who also has a portrait in, uh, um, in the hospital. Where does he send Fox? Cause that was in the wiki. That he used Maybe Fox. Maybe he sent Fox to, like, look out somewhere. Because they don't know how he would, how Fox would communicate with anybody if he doesn't write a letter. Let me see. Um, Order of the Phoenix. Served as, in late 1995... Fox served as a means of communication between members of the Order and Dumbledore after learning that Arthur Weasley had been attacked. So I think maybe he just used it like to alert people in the Order who weren't. Maybe to go get McGonagall. At Grimmauld Place. Yeah, maybe that too. 
No, McGonagall brings the Harry and the Weasleys there. Mm. I don't know. Are we sure he? they don't mean, like, his Patronus? Because his Patronus is a phoenix. I don't know. It says Fox. That way. It says Fox. Yeah, but I don't always trust the wiki. Yeah. Um, he also, Dumbledore, uh, Fox, Fox also helps Dumbledore escape, um, when, uh, when Dumbledore's army is discovered, Fox helps Dumbledore escape from the ministry officials who want to bring him to Azkaban. Um, he takes a killing curse for Dumbledore, like I already mentioned, and then he's saying his beautiful, like, Phoenix's Lament. When Dumbledore died and flew off into the Scottish Highlands. And I think it's in pot. Like, I always, like, read that as, like, Fox. Obviously, he's immortal and will continue to live. But Fox won't, like, take on another. I don't know. Maybe it's naive to think Fox won't take on another human companion. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But I do think, like, yeah. The the lament, um, the song that he sings is, like, obviously an expression of grief that um kind of like manifests like what a lot of people in the castle are feeling and i think it also like it like speaks to their grief but it also is like a source of comfort well i um, think it has magic yeah i think it I just think it has like calming like yeah yeah because i think at one point harry describes something like a phoenix song yeah like whether it's a sleeping draft or something like that i think there's a at some point in the series where he takes a sleeping draft or like a calming potion and he's like, he mentions like this, it feels like Phoenix song is mm-hmm. like washing over him or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, I guess also I didn't really describe Fox. I mean, obviously he looks like a Phoenix. He has crimson feathers and a golden tail um, described as, a, as long as a peacocks and he's roughly the size of a swan. Um, he oh has gold, God. gold claws and beaks, um, and his eyes are black. Um, his feathers glow faintly in the darkness. That's really cool. Um, the scarlet feathers go faintly in the darkness, and the golden feathers are hot to the touch. Um, yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, Fox is so cool. I love. I just like love the. I love Fox, and I love the idea of phoenixes. I think they're so cool. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so next we're going to talk about Buckbeak. So, to my knowledge, it's unknown where Hagrid got Buckbeak and the other hippogriffs for the first for his first character mm. for creatures class. Because I, I think, think they might have been in the forest. No, I don't think they're native to the forest. Mm. I would be shocked. I feel like they need, like, wide-open spaces. That's true. The forest is a little, like, dark for them. Yeah. Like, I get, like, Thestrals belong in the Forbidden Forest. I don't feel like Hippogriffs do. But I could be wrong. Like, I think he says something about a herd of them, or... I don't know. I I did not do research and go back and look, and I could not readily find it. So I could be completely (laughs) incorrect. Um... But, so Buckbeak is one of those hippogriffs that Hagrid brings to class. It's, Buckbeak is the one that Harry rides, um, the one that Harry gains the respect of, and then later on in class, Buckbeak is also the one to quote-unquote attack Draco. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the point where Hagrid kind of like takes him as a pet, because before, I don't think Hagrid had the intention of like keeping Buckbeak around. Um, Mm -hmm. But Hagrid keeps him to try and save him um, because Buckbeak was put on trial and Lucius and um, Draco were... I was trying to say Lucius and Malfoy, but that sounds wrong because, like, Lucius Malfoy. Lucius and Draco were trying to get Buckbeak executed for attacking Draco. Um, So throughout Mm -hmm. that year, Buckbeak hangs around Hagrid's hut and Ron and Hermione specifically, but sometimes Harry... Um, try to help Hagrid to find a way to get Buckbeak off um, Mm -hmm. and not found guilty. Then during the events of the night that Harry and Hermione go back in time towards the end of Prisoner of Azkaban, Dumbledore says something along the lines of like more than one innocent life can be saved tonight. 
And they take that to mean to save Buckbeak as well when they get down to Hagrid's hut to save him from execution. So they're the ones who actually lead Buckbeak away once the minister, Executioner McNair, and Dumbledore arrive at Hagrid's hut. But they don't really have any plans and intentions for him at that moment. But later on, they realize that they can use him to help Sirius escape. So Buckbeak and Sirius go on the run. And it's implied that Buckbeak is with Sirius throughout this entire time, which is like very <laughs> weird to me because he's supposed to be in hiding. And I feel like a hippogriff is like... Kind of a, conspicuous. If, if a snowy white owl <laughs> is conspicuous, I feel like a Buckbeak probably is. So I don't know if like Buckbeak was with Sirius like in South America or wherever he was hiding. Mm. But we also don't know where he was in between. So I Yeah. Yeah. Like, I get that Buckbeak is a great means of transportation for Sirius to, like... But I don't think, like, Sirius was ever, like, around people, like... Yeah, that's true. So, like, Hedwig was more of a liability because, like, like, she had to fly over, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we do know that Buckbeak was at Grimmauld Place with Sirius during Order of the Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Um... While Buckbeak was there, Creature actually hurts Buckbeak. And this is why Sirius was preoccupied the night that Harry tried to contact him Mm -hmm. um, to see if he was there or if he was at the ministry. And Sirius was up in the attic with Buckbeak. And that's why Creature was able to say that he wasn't there. Yeah. Um, And then after Sirius dies, Buckbeak goes back to Hagrid and is renamed Witherwings to try and... Uh, put her in like witness protection program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Buckbeak's a good one. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then we have Mr. Fang. Um, Fang is Hagrid's. I Hagrid's closest pet. I think is the yeah. the fair a fair assumption a uh, fair assumption to make. Um. Fang is an oversized boar hound in the books, but he is portrayed by a Neapolitan Mastiff in the novels. I mean, in the movies, um, which is uh, a different breed. Um, he's named as an oversized boar hound, but I think also maybe mentioned, like, there's some implication about being a Great Dane at some point in the books, too. Um, so it's a little confusing how, um, what Fang, what breed Fang actually is. Um, but definitely a Neapolitan Mastiff in the movies, which that's the, that's the photo everybody has in their mind of Fang with all the wrinkles and the jowls and he's adorable. Um, so according to Hogwarts mystery, actually, Fang was born around 1984 because there is a plot in Hogwarts mystery where you like, you actually get to name Fang, like you get to meet him as a puppy and name him. Um, and Fang Big personality trait for Fang is that he's a known coward. Um, he's a bloody coward. He Basically, he loves Hagrid, and he's a bloody coward. Um, two personality traits for Fang, um, which I love about him. It's like uh, Fang's obviously like this like big, scary dog, you know, um, that like his appearance is supposed to be like kind of big and scary, but obviously he's not big and scary at all. He's very gentle and frightened most of the time um so that's why like draco like chooses he's like fine but we get fang when they go in to the forbidden forest for detention and of course fang does not help them at all he (laughs) runs away i think he runs away with draco and harry's like left alone so fang um was present for the battle of hogwarts and he's he presumably survived because he is not listed in the casualties um, we never see him after the battle, like, in the book, but, like, since it's not mentioned, we, like, kind of assume that he survived. Um, and if he was born in 1984, and the battle happens in 1998, he would have been 14 by then, which is pretty old for a dog of his size. Like, big dogs don't tend to live that long, so I wonder if there is maybe something magical about him, or, um like Hagrid like you know feeds him something that keeps him going keeps him young because it's not even mentioned that he like is getting old like yeah he just is always like Fang so I think um that's pretty long lifespan and if we assume that he lived longer than that then like 
I think there's something magical about him, or at least Haggard is using some sort of magic to keep him alive, um, which I am not at all against. No. Keep Fang alive forever. <laughs> so some Fang highlights throughout the series. Um, of course, I mentioned he went into the forest for detention in Sorcerer's Stone, and he's kind of always going into the forest with Hagrid. Um, Harry and Ron take him in in Chamber of Secrets, um, and he's not much help to them with um, the Acromantulas. He... Um, when Umbridge and her crew attack Hagrid's hut, like, they go to, like, take Hagrid um, to Azkaban. Or they're just, like, trying to kick him out, I think. Yeah. They're trying to kick him out from the school. Um, and this is the same night that, like, McGonagall gets hit by a stunning spell. Um, while everybody's, like, watching from the astronomy tower during their OWL, um, Fang also gets hit by a stunning spell. Um, and Hagrid, like, scoops him up and runs into the forest to avoid being, like, taken in by the Ministry. Um, and he was also in Hagrid's hut when it was set on fire by the Death Eaters after the Battle of the Astronomy Tower, or during the Battle of the Astronomy Tower and Half-Blood Prince. Um, but Hagrid quickly, uh, puts that out with, uh, Aguamenti and Fang is rescued. So, we know that Fang at least makes it to the Battle of Hogwarts, and hopefully farther on. Um, but he's kind of just, like, Hagrid's constant companion. I think, like, whenever they go to Hagrid's hut, like, Fang always, like, rests his head on Harry's lap and drools everywhere, and um, I think, like, when they go and, like, bang on Hagrid's door um, in 4, when everybody finds out he's a half-giant, like, Fang is there, like, whimpering and trying to, like, help let them in. Yeah. So he's a good he's a good friend to Hagrid, and I like that. He, like Hagrid kind of seems to live a pretty lonely life, but he always has Fang with him. Yeah, it's like a classic uh, man and his dog. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so next, I'm going to be talking about Crookshanks. So Crookshanks was bought by Hermione at the beginning of Prisoner of Azkaban from the Magical Menagerie. Um, she actually only goes to the Magical Menagerie because Ron needs to stop in there and get Rat Tonic for Scabbers, who has not been feeling well. They want him to get looked at. And also, this is the point where the woman behind the counter is like, are you sure there's nothing magical with this rat? Like, he should be dead by now. Which <laughs> More on that later. Which <laughs> all of this Scabbers, not paranoia, but like scab- the Scabbers plotline throughout Prisoner of mm-hmm. Um, it is mentioned that Crookshanks had been at the shop for a really long time because nobody wanted him, um, and Hermione fell in love with him instantly, which I think is so funny because up until now, we don't see Hermione being an animal person at all. Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of like he was the only cat for her and she was the only owner for him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so throughout Prisoner of Azkaban, Crookshanks is assumed to be tormenting Scabbers and like is technically tormenting Scabbers, mm-hmm. but not for the reason that anybody thinks. Um, and eventually it, it appears as though Crookshanks murders Scabbers. Um, but later on, we find out that Crookshanks is part measles. And very intelligent and knew that Scabbers wasn't a real rat and suspected him of being like having nefarious intentions. And so this only adds to Scabbers slash Pettigrew's stress throughout Prisoner of Azkaban. Like this cat is kind of tormenting him. He's also really worried about like what is he worried about? Oh, Sirius. Sirius. <laughs> I, I wanted to say Voldemort, and I was like, Voldemort isn't in prisoner. About Sirius being out and coming to find him. Um, and then we also find out that Crookshanks was in contact with Sirius mm-hmm. while he was in dog form and stole the list of passwords from Neville to help Sirius break in. Um, and was kind of like Sirius and Crookshanks were like thickest thieves throughout Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm-hmm. And that Scabbers had faked his own death because he knew Crookshanks and Sirius were on him, and so he wanted to get out of there. Um, I think we've talked about this before, but the that like Tumblr post that's like Sirius at the end of Prisoner of Azkaban tells Hermione like you really are the brightest witch of your age, which implies that like someone had told him yeah. that she was the brightest witch, and then like 
the theory is that like uh Kirkshanks told Sirius, which is like oh yeah it's implied that they like communicate yeah and I'm not really sure how that works they're animals <laughs> all animals just speak the same language yeah um <laughs> Like I, the only reason I bring that bring that up is because I wonder if it's any has anything to do with him being a nasal. I think it does. Yeah. Um. Like we know that that's why he's able to pick up on scabbers and serious. I might add, not being real dogs and yeah. rats. Like there's something else going on with them. Yeah. Um. And yeah, Crookshanks is just a really good judge of character. He's a good companion to Hermione. Like, he's always just, like, sitting on her lap. Um, he's a good cat. Um, he's orange. Sorry, I didn't put any descriptions of Crookshanks in here. But, like, he's has orange hair, like, very long hair. Mm-hmm. I think he's described as being very ugly, having a face <laughs> only Hermione could love. Um, yeah. We do know that Crookshanks... I don't know how or why we know this, but the wiki tells me that we know that Crookshanks is with Hermione um, at the night, at the burrow, leading up to Bill and Fleur's wedding. Mm-hmm. I assume it's probably, like, mentioned. Like, yeah. Kirk, I think Crookshanks like playing with the trolls. No, the gnomes. gnomes yeah. Gnomes. Um, so I assume that's when it was mentioned. Um, but as we do know, Crookshanks did not go Horcrux hunting with the the trio so it's assumed that he stayed at the unless trio. he was in the bag <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> no no but there's like a whole little like cat castle for him in the back his very own like scratching pose <laughs> and climbing whatever structures cats have <laughs> um but yeah so it's assumed that he probably was at the burrow the whole time and is a well as and is alive and well mm-hmm. hopefully yeah. yeah, that's Crookshanks. Crookshanks doesn't really become important, like, after Prisoner of Azkaban, like... No, Crookshanks is just kind of around, yeah. yeah. The, the the plot, sir, the part he plays for the plot is Prisoner, basically. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, so Scabbers is up next. So, obviously not actually a rat, but still a pet, um for sure, and is treated like a pet and lets himself be treated like a pet by the Weasley family. So, um, following the events of October 1981 and early November 1981, Wormtail went looking for a wizarding family to take him in um, because he wanted to be pampered, I guess. Um, So, when he went into hiding and he found the Weasleys and stayed with them they owned him for 12 years um meaning he found them what you (laughs) um so yeah he found them within a few months um because 12 years from 1981 to like the 93 94 school year um uh, was when he was discovered as Wormtail and is no longer Scabbers. Um, like Katie mentioned, rat, rats do not live that long, um, like the woman at the ma- Magical Menagerie said. So rats typically only live two to three years. So oh um, they there should have been a little bit of something sus um, there. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, so... He was initially Percy's rat, so I wonder if, like, Percy was the one who found him, like, because it, presumably the Weasleys just, like, found this rat and, like, took him in as a pet, which is a weird thing, but I guess maybe kind of normal for a wizarding family. I don't know. Like, they couldn't afford to buy Percy a pet, so, I don't know. Percy, he was Percy's rat for a number of years, um... And then when Percy got his owl, Hermes, for, um, it was a gift for becoming a prefix, he gave Scabbers to Ron. He was, like, done with Scabbers at that point. Uh, and Scabbers' shining moment was that, like, he bit Goyle on the finger once. <laughs> um, so, you know, good for Scabbers. Ron didn't really care about Scabbers until he started not doing well. Um... And that was because Sirius was back, but Ron thought it was because of Crookshanks, like Katie was saying. Um, It causes this big fight between Ron and Hermione. 
and Scabbers faked his own death. And Hermione found Scabbers later in Hagrid's cabin. So they knew that Scabbers didn't actually die. And then, um, obviously, the end of Prisoner of Azkaban ensues with the big reveal. So um, Scabbers is, like, the reason that they get kind of pulled into the Whomping Willow because Sirius sees Ron holding Scabbers. Um, So, obviously, um, plays a very big plot role in Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, And he's constantly mentioned throughout that book and... He obviously is the reason that there is like all like Harry's sneaker scope is growing off and stuff. And it's all people keep, think it's because of Sirius Black, but it's really because of Scabbers. Um, he doesn't really play much of a role in one and two. And then obviously like Wormtail plays a big role later on. But um, Scabbers has his like big moment in the sun in Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, and he sucks. Yeah. I think it's really funny whenever, like, Hermione talks about, like, Ron didn't even like Scabbers that much. Why is he so upset? <laughs> um, so the last pet we're really going to, like, dive deep in is Miss Norris. So Miss Norris is Filch's cat, and it is said that she has an unusual unusual connection with her owner. Um the students know that if you get caught by her or Phil, or if you get caught, if the, 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 the students the. know that if you get caught by her, Filch will not be far behind. Um, so whether he like trained her to be a snitch or whether like she was just born a snitch is unknown. Um, and then during Harry's second year, she was the first victim to be petrified by the basilisk after seeing its reflection in the water that was on the floor from the flood in Myrtle's bathroom. And it brings up, so we do know that Miss Norris appears on the Marauder's map. So I was wondering, like, do all pets appear? Like, do all animals appear? I, there's no way all the owls can appear on the Marauder's I think map, it right? probably is like the Marauders made it so she appears. Yeah, but Filch wasn't there, was he? Yeah, he was. I thought it was a different... I guess it was a different caretaker when the Weasleys were there. Yeah, but the, the, Filch has all the files on the Marauders oh, and everything. that's true, that's true. That's yeah. True. Well, I was wondering if this is a hint to Mrs. Norris mm-hmm. maybe being a little bit more than a cat. <laughs> so there are speculation, or there is speculation out there about if she's Filch's familiar... Um, which is like Audrey mentioned this at the beginning of yeah, a little this bit, episode yeah. about like witches familiars, which are normally cats. It's like a it's an animal companion that you have like a very strong connection with and you can mm-hmm. like basically communicate with back and mm-hmm. forth. Um I've also seen some theories that she's an animagus who just always stays in the cat form. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with the rise of maledictus conversations from Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, this is what I find the most compelling theory is that Mrs. Norris is a maledictus and was somebody that Filch knew prior to the full transformation to a cat. Mm-hmm. And that's why she... like. He has an unusual connection with her, just like Voldemort has an unusual connection with Nagini, but I guess that's more, like, implied that it's because she's a horcrux. But anyways, um, why she is able to, like, understand English, um, be able Mm -hmm. to communicate a little bit more with Filch, why they seem to have, like, a pretty close bond, um... And that kind of thing. I think that is the most compelling to me. I've seen lots of, like, fan theories online about that. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of, like, the big the big pets we're going to talk about. And then we just have some, some quick takes. Um, so first up, the, the Weasley family owls. Um, we have Pigwidgeon, who obviously becomes Ron's owl. Um, after the whole scabber is not being a real rat thing, uh, Sirius gifts Pigwidgeon to Ron, 
um, kind of as a, like, sorry, you don't have a pet anymore. Um, There's this really <laughs> annoying owl. <laughs> so Pigwidgeon is this, like, tiny little owl. He's a mini- miniature Scops owl. Um, he's also known as Pig. So Ginny names him because she thinks he's really cute. Um, she thought the name was cute to go with him. And Ron is often embarrassed by Pig, um, but sometimes it, like, attracts the Pig attracts the attention of girls. Um, but the name Pigwidgeon means small or petty. Um, so kind of fitting. Like, Pig is just this, like, very energetic and tiny little ball flying around, basically. <laughs> it's not very good at being an owl. Um, then we have the Weasley family owl, Errol, who's ancient, described as ancient in, like, 1992, so is a very old, very old owl. He is a great gray owl, and, um, Errol is the name of a village in Scotland near Perth, so that might have been the inspiration for the name, um... It is also possible that his name refers to error because the names are very similar and the bird is um, not very good. (laughs) Makes a lot of errors. (laughs) Makes a lot of errors because of his age. Um, And the last Weasley family owl who I mentioned earlier um, is Hermes, um, a screech owl belonging to Percy. Um... The Weasleys give him to Percy um, as a gift for becoming prefect in Percy's fifth year. Um, And Hermes, the name, obviously references the um, Greek messenger god, um, which works really well with an owl, you know, a messenger. Um, Makes a lot of sense. Um, That is such a, like, Percy would name his owl. Hermes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I feel like it's, it's not super pretentious because I feel like that's a very common thing to know, but it just has that air of like, do you get it though? Like, do you get why his name is Hermes? <laughs> do you really get it? Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, the Weasley family owls, um, are seen often delivering things and Errol is often like an embarrassment coming in to the great hall pig is also an embarrassment so like just the fact that they have these kind of like eclectic and strange owls like is kind of like the weasleys are eclectic and strange in some ways and then you (laughs) parallel them with like hedwig who's this like beautiful well-behaved perfect owl and so it's kind of funny yeah um and then next up we have trevor the toad who obviously is neville's toad pet toad um and i don't know is is not really like a prominent uh part of the series but kind of just like a fun thing that like neville's always losing trevor and um like i said at the beginning like toads were supposed to be out of style so like kind of like makes neville shows that he's kind of a not so cool (laughs) at least at the beginning of his time at hogwarts um and trevor gets lost on like the first ride on the hogwarts express um but yeah yeah that's hermione's first line in the series have either of you seen a toad toad. i don't know if that's actually the line but it's yeah sentiment yeah and i think trevor is uh often like seen like um i think he's with neville on the Hogwarts Express in five, and it's yeah. when like Cho comes in, and Harry's like, "Oh, I wish I wasn't like sitting with all these like this, Weirdos. yeah, Mimbulus <laughs> Mimbletona like spray on me and yeah. Luna and this boy with a toad like so." Trevor. Yep. Um. So next we have Arnold, who is Ginny's pygmy pup, who she gets from Weasley's Wizard Wheezes. Um. I really love the name Arnold. I think it's, I really like, I think it's hilarious when pets have people names. Like, I think it is so (laughs) funny when, like, a dog is named, like, Mike or something. Like, I don't know. I just think it's so funny. And then, so there's, like, the juxtaposition of, like, Arnold being, like, a real person name. And then also, like, Arnold is, a like, a bright pink puffball. So there's also some, like, irony and I feel like humor and having, like, such a common 
like non-flashy name for like a breaking mm-hmm. puffball animal. I just think it's so funny. Um, Ginny brings Arnold with her to school in Half-Blood Prince. Um, that's right after she got him in yeah. the beginning, uh, like at the end of that summer. And Arnold is really unremarkable in every other way. Yeah. Um, and plays really no part in any series or plot points. And then next we have Norbert, who is Hagrid's pet dragon that hatches during Sorcerer's Stone. I should say Norbert slash Norberta, um, because we do find out later that Norbert is, is a woman. She's a female dragon. Um, she's a Norwegian Ridgeback. And she does kind of have like her moment in the sun, like scabber, like scabbers did. Who do, was that? Who were you referring to when you said? Yeah. That? Um, during Sorcerer's Stone, like Hagrid is increasingly getting more and more hurt and more and more burned by having this dragon, and the trio is like, Hagrid, you need to like it is not safe to keep this dragon in a wooden house. Like it's just a recipe for disaster. <laughs> Draco at this point knows that Hagrid has a dragon um yeah so they're like very worried about him telling somebody because owning a dragon is illegal so Ron reaches out to Charlie who deals with dragons for his job and they have some friends come and pick Norbert up and this is the night that Draco finds out about it because a note was left in a book that he goes <laughs> to see Ron to humiliate him and like lo- like lord over, gloat over him that he knows. And he like takes the book as cover for why he's visiting Ron. And in that book, there's a note like f- the letter from what Charlie's friends or whatever. So he finds out about this. He gets out of bed. They all get caught. Harry loses the invisibility cloak. Neville's out of bed as well because he overhears Draco <laughs> like saying that he's going to catch them. And this is why they have the detention in Sorcerer's Stone and why mm-hmm. Ron is not a part of the detention because he was in the hospital wing with a dragon bite. <laughs> so it's like all very messy. Yeah. And then we never really see Norbert again. And then Charlie mentions him or her when he sees Hagrid in four. Yeah. Okay, so then we have the last two here. Ripper, who is one of Aunt Marge's 12 bulldogs um, and her personal favorite. Um, and Ripper has terrorized Harry on many a visit to Fort Privet Drive. Um, most notably in the visit in Prisoner of Azkaban is when we see him and um, he gets his own like saucer of tea and when Harry blows up on Marge, Ripper like bites Uncle Vernon's leg when he's trying to like hold on to Aunt Marge. Ah, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's really all we really know about Ripper. Um, oh, uh, Ripper drinks brandy? Is that what they're drinking? No, they give him tea, but do they also give him whiskey too? I think so. I think like I think later, like drink her glass. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is Binky, um, (laughs) Lavender Brown's pet rabbit, um, who is notable because um, Binky dies on. It's actually on October fifteenth, nineteen ninety three, but Lavender. about it. Hears about it on October 16th, which was apparently um, was what was what uh, Trelawney had predicted she would hear about the things she was dreading on October 16th. But Hermione yeah. points all out all the flaws in this logic and in the predictions. And uh, yeah, doesn't Binky get like eaten by a fox or something? Um, I don't know if we know how Binky died. We just no, know that Binky was young. Yeah, I was going to say, because I think it's, yeah, I think we do. I could be wrong. Maybe oh, yes, wrong. killed by a fox, yeah. Look at that. But <laughs> it is interesting, though, because Binky wasn't allowed at Hogwarts. So maybe yeah, well, pets. But maybe Binky wasn't Lavender's pet. Like, Binky was the family pet. Mm. Maybe she didn't try to bring Binky to Hogwarts. Yeah, but I think rabbits would be another, like, 
it's a good magic. They like, yeah. yeah, they tie into wizards and witches yeah. and magic quite well. Yeah. So for today's pop quiz, the question is, who's your favorite pet in the series? Okay, so on the Facebook group, we asked this question, and Morgan said, Fang or Fox? And said, does Padfoot count? <laughs> Which, no, I don't think Padfoot counts. <laughs> Linda said, Buckbeak or Fox? Micah said, Picket, who's something, someone we didn't talk about, because um, yeah. Picket is from Fantastic Beasts, but like I said, I love the idea. I like the idea of having a bow truckle best bud in my pocket at all times, which is a good point. Um, Isaiah said Arnold. Lisa said asked, uh, is there no love for Crookshanks? <laughs> um, and then, but then Leia and Justine both said that Crookshanks does not get enough love and that um, Justine is a big fan of ginger cats, so. Crookshanks was her favorite. So Crookshanks, I think, did come out on top. Um, but there were a couple of fox in there and um, a good variety of answers. Yeah. Um, so my favorite pet, if you couldn't tell about how I talked about <laughs> him, was is Fang. Um, I'm a big dog person and Fang. I love... I, I am a big dog person, as in I love dogs. And I also <laughs> love big dogs more than anything. Um, and Fang is just, like, so endearing, and um, I just love how he's always there for Hagrid. So, yeah, yeah, definitely my favorite. I am torn on this one because I do love Arnold just because I love Pygmy Puffs. And you love Ginny. Yes, and I love Ginny. But I do have, a, like, a soft place in my heart for Fox. I really, yeah. really love Fox. Fox is definitely, like, my, my second. Yeah, so it has to be between those two, and I feel like I have to give Fox the edge just because I wow. don't know. Like You've Arnold, always said Arnold. I know, but I don't know anything about Arnold. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Pygmy, like the reason Arnold is one of my favorites is because he's a pygmy puff. But yeah. Like Fox, I actually, like, I like the things that he does in the series. I like yeah. the importance he has in the series. So I just feel like... Fox does get the edge in this over Arnold just a little bit. That's fair. Okay. Well, um, you can find our episodes every other Tuesday on all of your favorite podcast platforms. And while you're listening or while you're searching for them, please do us a favor and leave a five-star review on um, whatever platform you listen on. Yeah, and then you can find us on social media. We are Wizard Studies Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. We're Wizard Studies on Twitter. Um, if you want to join our Facebook group, our Facebook group is called Wizard Studies Podcast Group. You can email us at wizardstudiespodcast at gmail.com. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash wizardstudiespodcast. You can join our Discord server. <laughs> I think that's all. all right as always thank you so much for listening and remember just do your best we'll do the rest and learn until our brains all wrapped